0: Uh, Really, as we look at the life of a disciple, one of the greatest things we can do is have a life that is used of God. I want my life to be given to God. And as we come to church, I think about uh, here we find a place where meaningful relationships uh, abound. I I look across this room and tonight in this room, there are people in this room that we've had long uh, relationships for the last 20 plus years. And we have absolutely loved being a part of uh, lives with people in this room. It's a place where also uh, we find good biblical teaching. And uh, but listen, the church is more than a social club or even just a school. The church is also family. I appreciate Brother Greg leading us in that song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And when we come into the house of God, we we find a place that is filled with brothers and sisters in Christ. So the question comes up: How do I fit into this family? We realize that we all have a role that God wants us to fill. We have opportunities and gifts, specific gifts that God's given us that help us to find that role and be used to the benefit of others. And so if we look at the life of disciples, for instance, each disciple had a role that they filled. The most famous of the roles was probably that of Judas Iscariot. He carried the money bag. Amen. Every group's got to have a treasurer. Thank you guys for doing what you do. Unfortunately, that role led him down a wrong path. There was also one of Peter. Now, think about Peter. Peter was the loud, boisterous one. Sometimes he said things that uh, the others were only thought. Uh, They didn't, uh, but Peter was the one who opened his mouth. He was the spokesman of the group. There was the Apostle John, uh, who was close to Christ. He was often that listening ear. There was Philip, who was seen uh, many times with the people, and he had opportunities to hear from people outside the circle of 12. These disciples use their gifts to help further the kingdom of God. And we see this, for instance, Peter would stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach the message of Christ, and thousands would be saved that day. John uh, would later write the epistle of 1 John through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we have one of the greatest dissertations on the love of God anywhere in Scripture in 1 John chapter 4. Well, Judas, you know what happened to him. But the reality is, as a disciple, God wants us to use Our life, the gifts that He's given us to help the message of Christ go into the world. So it's not just the responsibility of the pastor or maybe church leadership, but all of us uh, as we contribute to helping the work of the ministry. And so it's a real blessing. And so I want to look in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10 and see this calling that God has put in our life. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. He says, "Every man uh, hath, uh, excuse me, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together." Lord, we thank you for uh, the passage of Scripture tonight. We thank you for this, uh, the gifting that you give us. Lord, uh, that as soon as uh, we put our faith in you, Lord, you give us uh, special gifts to be able to u- be used in the kingdom of God. And We just pray that you would help us to find and utilize those gifts in our life. And so we just turn to you now and tonight in our services. May your hearts be drawn to you. I thank you for those missionaries that are being used around the world. And may you even raise up missionaries out of our church, out of our own families, uh, and maybe even uh, some of us, Lord, that we would be willing to go and to share the good news of the gospel before you return. We thank you. We praise you. Lead and guide tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look here today, I just want to encourage you uh, about using, being used of God, having a life used of God. Because truly, I think every life is important here. And I look at sometimes as, as some of the lives that God's uh, allowed us to be, inter- be able to interact with. And each one has a potential to do something meaningful for Christ. During the American Revolution, a man is in civil civilian clothes and he rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small defensive barrier. Their leader was shouting instructions and but he was making no attempt at all to help them. He didn't, he didn't jump down, he didn't help. And so when the rider asked the corporal why he didn't help his men, he just retorted with great dignity, Sir, I am a corporal. And the stranger apologized. He dismounted and proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers do their job. And when the job was finished, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, he said, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, he said, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come again and help you. Anybody know who that man was? George Washington. That's right. Good job. You know, as a disciple, God has called us each to jump in, to be a part, to use our gifts, to be able to say, God, I want to be a part of what's going on here. And and truly, God has specifically gifted each of us to be able to enable the work of God to go forward. And this is a time where all of us, it's one of those situations where it's all hands on deck, if you will. And we've all got to realize that we all play a part. And so let me just share a few things with you tonight regarding this, if we can. First off, there's a reason to help. Uh, Have you ever heard the adage, many hands make light work? Amen. I I appreciate uh, our children. uh, Oftentimes at home, uh, there's a job to do, and I'm the first to bark out orders to get them moving. Amen. Any other parent like that? Yeah. Amen. And I appreciate their willing spirit and their uh, desire to give a hand. Oftentimes, I don't have to bark any orders. They just jump in and lend a hand. But this is especially true in the work of the church. Uh, we think about uh, the statistic is that 20% of the membership does 80% of the work. You know, But the reality is I think that our, our numbers are, are not normal here at Hillside. And so I'm so thankful for those that say, hey, I want to jump in. I want to be a part. I want to use my gifts and abilities for the Lord. You see, because God has entrusted the church with the gospel. He says, listen, I'm trusting you in the, in the pew, uh, each of us, to be able to take the gospel and carry it into the world. And, and this is what Matthew 28:19 and 20 reminds us of, as it's, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. Amen. And so God reminds us of this great commission. And He says, listen, I've entrusted you. He entrusted the disciples who then were willing to teach other men who would teach others. And here we are today, thousands, uh, 2,000 years later, the recipients of a great privilege of having heard the gospel, received the gospel, believing the gospel, and now we get to propagate the gospel. You know, that's our calling today. And every one of us in this room has that privilege. But it's easy sometimes to get into the mindset, well, you know, We pay a pastor, let him do that job. Uh Uh-oh. We get in trouble when we trust in the quote-unquote professionals to do things. God's called us, each of us, to take personal responsibility. And to say, Lord, it's my responsibility to reach that neighbor next door. It's my responsibility to make sure that person who checks me out at Walmart knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm not going to trust that maybe my preacher is going to go through the same line that same day or at the same hour when that person's working. Instead, I'm going to say, listen, it's my responsibility to carry that track and to give it to that, uh, to that clerk. You know, God's called each of us. And He's entrusted the church with this responsibility of encouraging and serving one another as well. And also to bring each other along in this spiritual growth and maturity. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head even Jesus even Christ. You see, this responsibility... Uh, of sharing the gospel, this responsibility of bringing up and helping others to grow are enormous responsibility, and they're too much for any one person. And so it, God has called us as the body of Christ to each do the part that we are designed to play in helping the, the uh, fulfill the commission that God's called for us. Listen, it's not just the pastor's job, it's the work of the whole church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he says, "...and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The apostles and prophets were temporary roles in the early church before the writing of God's word was complete. And 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and verse number 8 reminds us that once that word was complete, then these temporary roles passed away. The roles of evangelist, pastor, and teacher continues today. And what a blessing they are! I, I remember all the many years getting to sit under Pastor Tolbert and his influence in my life. Uh, the years I got to sit under Pastor Gary Webster, Randy Kindler, and some other pastors that invested in my life over the years and the difference they made. I'm telling you, God uses those guys. The evangelists that have come through. Tommy Stone was one of those ones that has left a lasting impression in my life. Hey, bigger than life. I bet he was six foot six tall. He uh, I don't know, 350 pounds, maybe he was a big old solid guy and just laughed with all that he had in him and just played the soul. He just captured my mind as a child, but he captured my heart as a young man. And God uses men like this, but listen, God has also called each of us and equipped us to be able to do the work of the ministry. Remember Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. He talks about pastor, uh, pastors and teachers. And then in verse number 12, he says, for the perfecting of the saints. And then he says that the purpose that they might be able to teach those, to work uh, the, the work of the ministry, the, to uh, teach those the edifying of the body of Christ. And, and just looking at that scripture, we see that it's all of our responsibility in that regard. Second Timothy 2 reminds us, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many uh, witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also." Several years ago, two students graduated from Chicago-Kent College of Law. And the highest-ranking student in the class was a blind man named Overton. And when he received his honor, he insisted that half of the credit should uh, go to his friend, Kasprzak. And they had met one another in school. And when the armless Kasprzak had guided the blind Mr. Overton down a flight of stairs, it just instantly created a bond and so this acquaintance ripened into friendship and it was a beautiful uh, picture of interdependence for example the blind man carried the books because he had arms obviously and the armless man could read aloud in their common study and so they uh, each uh, became one solid man they each helped each other and after graduation they went into law practice together listen how can we join in the work of the ministry? One, see there's a need around us. And next week as we share with the ministry expo, that's part of what we want to do is just share with you the need and the different ministries we're going to highlight that week uh, so that you can say, hey, I can." Uh, that's part of my spiritual gifting. That's an area where I believe God is, wants me to move and to work in my life. And so uh, choose to see the need. Secondly, we also realize that God wants us to resource our spiritual gift. Now, the Holy Spirit provides every child of God with one or more spiritual gifts. These, are, these gifts are divine enablement, enablements that are given to us at salvation for the purpose of serving God through the local church. So, uh, first thing we must do is discover our gift. Even as the roles of the apostles and prophets were temporary, so were some of the gifts. If you look in the the, uh, Bible, it talks about some what we call sign gifts. These are miraculous gifts such as tongues, visions, healing, and prophesying. These were temporary until the Word of God was complete. And God used these gifts to authenticate His work of the apostles, and the need for them disappeared with the completion of the written Word of God. As a matter of fact you can look in your bibles it won't be on the screen to first corinthians chapter 13 and verse number eight. 1 corinthians 13 8 and we can see there where god has laid out for us this temporariness uh, of these gifts he says in uh, 1 corinthians thirteen eight, charity never faileth but whether there be prophecies they shall fail whether there be tongues they shall cease whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away but the Holy Spirit still gives spiritual gifts to Christians today to help us for ministry now it's not going to be the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecies or anything like that or visions but God has different gifts that he still uses today Romans chapter 12 verses 6 through 8 talks about some of these gifts Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, "...having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, and he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness." So let's talk about these very quickly out of the Word of God, Romans chapter twelve, and these this list that we're given. First off, he talks about prophecy. Before the Bible was complete, prophecy was twofold. It was foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling is what people often associate with prophecy, right? It's being able to predict future events based on God's revelation to a prophet. Now that's what we recognize. We go to the Book of Revelation, we recognize that's what it is. It's prophecy. But there's also forth but this is the main role of prophecy. It's declaring God's Word to others. Okay, It's just basically uh, that Caruso, that proclaiming, that proclamation that God wants us to do. Even in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet's main ministry was to preach the truth. In some cases, they foretold the, pr- the future as they preached. But today, we have the completed revelation of God to man. It is recorded in the Bible. It's complete from Genesis to Revelation. And so the spiritual gift of of prophecy is a call from God to declare His Word to others. And so people with the spiritual gift of prophecy are passionate uh, to declare the word of God and and man we often know people like this brother baskin is one of those guys that's I wants to wants to declare God's word to others uh, my my daughter uh, oftentimes she's she's one of those that's quick to pull out the track quick to nudge me in the side and say dad don't forget uh, to tell them about Jesus and you know that's the heartbeat that God has placed in her life and you know there's others in this room that are same way they want to declare the gospel now obviously Anna is not going to get up and preach but she is going to be able to declare on a one-on-one basis in that role that God's given her. And so all of us then uh, can uh, realize that God gifts some in this way. Second one is that of ministry he mentions in Romans chapter 12. This is the spiritual gift known as helps, if you will. It's a desire to serve and to help people in a variety of ways. Sometimes this is volunteering uh, in a service that is maybe unglamorous, maybe under, unappreciated jobs. Uh, listen, never underestimate the importance of this spiritual gift. A person who's willing just to be a help and say, "Preacher, let me, let me tell you, I want to mow the yard." Preacher, let me tell you, I want to unlock the building. Preacher, I want to uh, just to uh, be that help for you. Nobody else has to know. I just want to be that uh, that person uh, for you during this time. What? a difference a life like this makes. If you have a passion to serve behind the scenes, let me just encourage you, be faithful, be diligent, knowing your service is always vital. He speaks uh, thirdly of teaching. This is the ability and desire to teach uh, uh, God's truth and help people to understand how His Word applies in their life okay so this spiritual gift requires study it requires a person with sound interpretation of Scripture and so it's a vital need for every local church to have a teaching ministry I'm thankful for the teaching ministry of our Sunday school classes and and connection groups I'm thankful for that and how they work and strive to make sure that each week there is a lesson that's presented that helps us to grow deeper in our Word of God I'm thankful for the teaching ministry through discipleship that goes on every Wednesday and just what a vital ministry teaching is in this day of delusion that we continue to stay steadfast in the word of god there's also the fourth one is that of exhortation this is the about ability and the desire to encourage others in their christian life christian these common, these christians with this gift of exhortation love to lift up others with positive words and and sometimes deeds and they are especially concerned with the heart. So exhorters want to motivate others to love and to serve God with their whole heart of passion. Man, I've seen this in, in some families that, man, they bring food or they bring uh, just a special gift to others who they've seen serve. What a what a difference that ministry of exhortation makes uh, in, in a in a church. Because, man, as you go around and you encourage some of these Sunday school teachers or you uh, go around and you just love on some of those folks that uh, maybe are going through a difficult time, uh, what a difference your presence Makes in a room, it makes that temperature of the room uh, just just uh, you can feel the presence of God when someone is fulfilling that role of exhortation. The the fifth one here is that of giving. It's the ability and desire to give to God's work and to God's people. Listen. It's, a, it's, a, it's accompanied by this provision to give, obviously, but these Christians are typically generous by nature and love to give. Uh, and those with the gift of giving have great delights, oftentimes, in just giving unobtrusively to meet the needs of others. Sometimes they don't want anybody to know. They just want to help uh, those behind the scene and they want to further the work of God. What a blessing that gift is. And there are some people in our church that truly have this gift of giving. Now, uh, I'll mention this in a minute, but let me just say that maybe one of these is not your gift gift, your specialty that God's placed in your heart. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved in in things like giving. You know, God commands all of us to be a part of giving to the work. And so we're all to be actively involved. But at the same time, some people, God gifts this gift of giving. And they want to go above and beyond that. There's also those uh, that he mentions here who uh, are ruling. they also called administration. This is the ability to lead. It's the ability to administrate part of God's work. And it reveals itself through natural abilities, oftentimes, being able to think and organize uh, people and and think strategically and implement a plan, maybe coordinate teams of people. And so Christians with this gift uh, have a God-given ability to manage and maintain uh, and administrate, and they find joy in seeing order and progress. Man, what a difference uh, they make in an organization. There's also the gift of mercy that he mentions here. This is the God-given ability to feel the pain of others and to help them during times of difficulty. Those with the gift of mercy are naturally good at empathizing with those who are carrying heavy burdens. They typically know what to say. And sometimes when to just to be silent, they have a strong desire to lift the loads and minister to those who are suffering. You see, God has given each Christian, Christian at least one of these gifts. Sometimes we say, well, that person has a gift of music, they can sing or play piano, Uh, but really, the Bible speaks about some other gifts, some some that are even profitable in different ways than just music, and God wants us to discover that gift and use it. At the end of services tonight, i made available a spiritual gifts test. You can take this home with you, you can look at it, you can fill it out and say, okay, where's God gifted me? As we prepare to to just say, Lord, I want to commit, or I want to just be used of you in the local church, uh, then you can find where is my special gift where does god want me to use it because god does want us to use it he wants each of us to be involved in the local church look in first corinthians chapter 12 verses 18 through 24 in your bible with me because like a physical body needs all of its parts the body of christ needs all of its people you know it'd be hard to live your life without a hand as brother uh, baskin was mentioned some of these people have had to grow or without an eye you know, it would be difficult to live your life without some of these things. These are vital parts of a life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, was where we're going to pick up our, our passage here. We'll read through verse 24. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the, uh, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow a more abundant honor, and on our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. You see, you... Each of us are vital to the health and strength of the rest of the church family. And God calls each of us to use that spiritual gift. And as, a, as, a, uh, as important as it is to identify and use your spiritual gifts, it is also important to understand that just because you don't have a particular gift does not mean that you can't be used of God. People without the spiritual gift of mercy, for example, can still visit and minister to someone uh, who's in the hospital, well, when they allow us in. Or someone without the spiritual gift of giving can and should still give to God's work. But what it means is that you're going to find some areas of ministry that come maybe more naturally to you, and those would be good areas in which you can focus your efforts. And so as we begin our ministry expo next week, uh, before services, will be ready 30 minutes before service, after service, uh, and both the morning and the evening. After service, we're planning to have a meet and greet, so if you're able to be a part of a new ministry, you can uh, meet with us in the chapel, and you can meet with those ministry leaders as we just begin uh, to try to encourage people to be involved. And so we're looking Forward to a neat day next Sunday, April third, with the Ministry Expo. But finally, let me just conclude with this thought: remain committed to the family. I love family. Amen. I love I love being a part of a family uh, that I that uh, that is enjoyable to be around. But sometimes family's not always enjoyable, are they? Sometimes we bicker, we argue. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. I'm not talking about you, kiddo well maybe I am now he gave me the look you ever get one of those but listen the reality is sometimes we argue with each other sometimes we uh, kind of get irritated with one another you know that's part of being in the family and so i want to just encourage us regarding this last thought to be committed to the family so how do we demonstrate that one remember one another regularly the scripture gives uh, the man the, uh, the gives several one another commands if you will and so there's dozens of these, but I'm going to just mention a couple of them. First off, he calls us to love one another. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you will love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, Serve one another. Galatians 5, 13, For brethren, ye have been called into liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. He talks about it in Ephesians 4, 2, Be gracious toward one another with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another, in love in romans chapter number 15 and verse 5 he says be like-minded one toward another now the god of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to christ jesus there's also this call to give preference to one another romans chapter 12 and verse number 10 he says be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another there's many many more throughout the scripture but as you can see we're to value our relationships with one another. We're investing them with love and service and kindness and sacrifice because that's what makes this body of Christ such a sweet place to be. You know, I love coming to church because I love watching you love one another. It is an encouraging thing. And we saw that when Pastor Tolbert was here, and we've been able to see that continue, and I praise God for that. But also, God wants us to resolve differences biblically. Every relationship of importance sometimes we'll encounter conflict. Relationships with others in your church are no exception. But how we resolve conflict uh, will either undermine or strengthen your relationship. So what do we do? First off, I encourage you, forgive from your heart. Some offenses can be just forgiven. Somebody says something or does something, you can just forgive it without any discussion. And if you can forgive another person from your heart without bringing it up to them, start right there. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, and then listen to this, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Listen, He's forgiven me so much. Listen, you've never offended me as much as as I have offended God, and yet He forgave me. May we be willing to, first off, forgive. The second instruction we have is to go to the other person. Most differences between Christians could be resolved if we just go to each other and talk to each other about it. But sometimes we go to Facebook about it. Sometimes we go to some other person about it. And what we find is that causes a greater conflict in the relationship and stress and strain. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15 it says, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him. And what's it say, church? Alone. He says, If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. He says, before you do anything else, just try to talk it out. That's the greatest place to start. You see, because when we air our grievances with others, we add hurt uh, that, that uh, other people involved, get involved in that hurt, and it minimizes the ability to reconcile. That's why the Scripture tells us to simply go to the person who has offended us. Proverbs 26, 22 says, The words of a tailbearer are as wounds, and they go down in the innermost parts of the belly. It cause a lot of problems. Uh, thirdly, he says, share with someone else who can be part of a solution. If we go to, the, uh, to another uh, other person, they won't hear you. And if the matter is a serious nature, uh, it's important to privately bring it to church leadership and ask for help in singing, seeking reconciliation. Matthew 18, 16, and 17 says, "...but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established." And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. But in all of these steps, remember, the the goal is not to say, I'm right and you're wrong. But the goal is to say, listen, I want to reconcile what's been broken. Reconcile a relationship. You see, the relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ are valuable. We should never treat them lightly or disregard them quickly. Be committed. Let us be committed to love, to serve one another and our church family. And when there is conflict, to really seek restoration in that relationship. There's a lake in Central Africa that was once discovered and there was no outlets in this lake. As a result, the water was very brackish and there was hardly any life in it. And then two men came upon it. And their names are Cameron and Stanley. And they visited the lake and it was just beginning to dribble into uh, Lukuga and then from the Lukuga into the Congo. And shortly afterward, it wasn't long until it just really broke through the barriers uh, that were holding the water in and the water began to flow out into a full stream. And it continued, even 18 years later, to continue to maintain this kind of stream. And so these two men, as they went back and they saw this water, instead of being a brackish uh, pond where all the water was held in and it was stagnant, instead it became a pure uh, a water where uh, that was profitable, it was wholesome. Instead of lifeless, we, they saw that fish abounded. Instead of uh, uh, having no value, it began to give nourishment to the people that lived near it. You see, many lives are suffering because they need an outlet. They need to serve others. Someone said beneficence to others reacts upon the quality and the happiness of our own lives you see when we give to others and serve using the gifts that God's given us then he adds greater joy greater peace that can never be found otherwise you see as we look around us God's called us to say listen we need to work together there's no one person that can fulfill the Great Commission. It's not a Great Commission to one man or even 12 men at the beginning. It was to the church. And, and so the local church is one, one of God's greatest works on earth. And being a part of it is one of the greatest privileges and gifts that we have. But it shouldn't end with just being a member. God wants each of us to use our gift in our church. And so we just want to encourage you to choose to be so, to be involved Tonight, uh, as we finish uh, our, our services, we want to encourage you. Uh, the guys are going to be at the back door with a spiritual gifts test, and I, I hope I was looking for Brother Travis. Is he, is he, is he there? Is he coming? All right. Uh, he's somewhere walking around. Brother Bill, would you step out and make sure he's got those ready to go? And I just want to make sure that, that each of us say, "Lord, how can I be used in this work of the ministry?" Listen, it's not just for the pastors, it's for all of us to be involved. Maybe it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to jump in. I want to be able to invest in the ministry, invest in others, and look for opportunities to make a difference in my church and in my community around me.